everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bitch Breathe. My name is Ricardia, and I'm so happy to have received all those messages from you. I'm a little overwhelmed with all the positive responses I've gotten. After all, uh, this is a very new thing for me. It's very exciting, but it's also something where I still feel like I want to find my sea legs. So what I wanted to say was that I've been receiving some really great messages about how people have also been in the similar situations that I've been in, that they really felt uh, they could sort of um, relate to what I'm saying, but that they weren't really sure if they wanted to post comments publicly, because some of this stuff, really all of it, I want to say, is pretty private. So I had one friend who said, hey, why don't you have an email for everybody, which is like probably not a super revolutionary idea, but I thought it was a really good one. So if you have questions, if you have comments, if there's a subject that you would really love to talk about, I would love to invite you to write to me at bitchbreathe at gmx.com. So it's bitchbreathe at, and then gm as in mom, x.com. And I'll post it in the show notes later for you as well. I'd really love to hear from you. And on that note, if you liked what you heard, I'd also love it if you could rate or review the podcast on iTunes. All right, so what do I want to talk about today? I have so many subjects that I'm not even being able to catch up on all the producing of these episodes, but this one came to me in a meditation, so I thought, I guess this one is up. This one is ready to go, and it's called All the Single Ladies. So I've been single in my teens. Uh, I've been single in my 20s, my late 20s. I was single in my early 30s, and then I was single again in my early 40s. <laughs> I just want to say that none of these phases resembled the previous one. In my teens, it didn't matter. I had a lot of friends. I was hanging out and sort of just making experiences, and it really didn't feel so sort of um, different from any experience that I should be having, if you will. And then in my late 20s, my first marriage had ended. I thought, okay, now I have a chance to really, you know, one more time, really gear up, get my career going. By now, my son was born, but he was a little bit older, a little more independent. So I thought, this is my chance to be a mom and at the same time, really get something of my own going for myself. Then in my 40s, my second marriage had ended, and this singledom was nothing like the previous ones. I didn't feel like I had a lot of get-go energy. I didn't feel, you know, sort of liberated by the fact that now I was single and I was going to do all this stuff. And somehow the whole idea of single had lost a bit of its promise that I had expected. I mean, let's face it, marriage, even before it ends, there's always phases where you're like, you have these little fantasies like, what would I be doing right now if I were single? Would this weekend be better if I were just a free woman or whatever it was? Maybe you don't have those fantasies. I certainly had them sometimes for both of my marriages, even though they um, were happy ones for a while there. And I thought about this a long, long time. Like, why was it so different for me to be single in my early 40s? And why did it feel so much harder than anything I had ever done before. So one of the first things that I did that actually sort of offered themselves up, and you've heard me say this in previous episodes, is I made sure 
I had a support network of friends, mostly women, in place, and people who had absolutely no problem with me calling them at all hours of the day. So I didn't really have to do that, but it was just nice to know that I could, that I had a network of women, most of which were in partnerships, others were single, and just to know that I could really spend time with them. Sometimes I would just go there on a Sunday and stay there the whole day, or maybe I even crashed at their house sometimes because I didn't want to go to my own home or whatever. So just having the support network and feeling very free to call upon it was one of the first things that I did once I became single in my 40s again. The second tool that I used, and this was really, really huge. I don't know if you feel or felt this way when you were or are single, but I did not want to admit to anybody that I felt really lonely. I noticed that it was very hard for me to say that to people. And why? Mm, Couple of reasons, I think. One was when I said it really openly, when it came out of a place that didn't need words because it was so blatantly obvious that I'm doing badly with this, My friends, mm, they wanted to help me, but at the same time, it felt like I was the woman that they were scared of becoming. I was in my early 40s. My son was practically grown. I was all alone, right? I didn't have a partner. And in their faces, and I love my women friends very much, but in their faces, I'm pretty sure I saw an expression of fear, right? Because here was a friend who not only was she single, she wasn't doing well at it. She was flailing left, right, and center. She constantly told you how lonely she was. And God love my friends, but they really, it was hard for them to sometimes help me with that because they also didn't know why was I struggling so much. It had been a couple of years and I was still single. I was making some questionable choices romantically, but not questionable enough to hang around for a while. And so they, I think they sort of ran out of steam sometimes as to how to explain why was I still single or explain to me. And I wasn't looking for an explanation. In fact, I'm pretty sure by now I wasn't even looking for a partner. I was looking for a space where it was perfectly okay to say, I feel lonely. I'm, I'm not doing so well with this. Yes, I can buy my own flowers and I can make myself a nice cup of tea. And I did all those things and I had beautiful moments, but I also had beautiful moments of loneliness. And it was very hard to say that to people. And not just because my friends had this, what seemed to me a weird reaction, but because I felt ashamed. I had not managed marriage or monogamy or a long-term relationship or whatever the form or shape it is that it takes. I didn't do it well. Here I was. I was divorcing, about to be divorced for the second time. This was supposed to happen to, you know, other people, (laughs) problematic people, people where you could see that they were heading for this, I'm going to put that in quotes, disaster, but not to me. I thought I, I knew. I thought I knew how to be single. I thought I knew how to be married, what with having done it twice and both each marriage is not having been 
you know, Vegas marriages, they lasted a while. So how was I to know how to do this without feeling ashamed? That's the question that I asked myself because I felt, and I'm going to use the word, even though it's been used by a certain yes ex-president way too often, I felt like a loser. I felt like a total failure. I hadn't achieved a goal that I felt I myself and society dictated for me and that was supposed to be part of the formula of being a happy and adult person. So that really was a big thing for me is to just admit I feel lonely. And I did have one good friend where when I said that, she said, of course you do. Of course you feel lonely. You haven't practiced this. And I can't begin to tell you how valuable it is for somebody to hold that shame for you, to hold it with you, because as you've heard in one of my last episodes, I think it was the age issue, I talked about shame and how um, the very nature of shame is that we don't talk about it. That's how it can live. That's how it can thrive. That's how it can separate us from each other. And so for this friend to say, of course you are, I would be lonely too. I have been that lonely. And then later she actually became single too. So we wallowed in it together for some time there. But that was like an absolution. It was okay to say, I feel like a loser. I feel like I failed at marriage and therefore failed at an important milestone in life. So go ahead, tell people you feel lonely and let them deal with whatever fear it is they have, but let it also be okay for you to just put it out there because you know what? The right people will hear you and will hold a space for you. And I'm not talking about self-pity or wanting a pity party, even though, trust me, I felt plenty sorry for myself. But it's not about that. That would give it a sort of different quality. That's not what it is. I don't need people to fix that I'm single or to fix that I'm lonely, but I need it to be allowed. Give me permission to feel completely and utterly inadequate and falling short of my own and, and maybe some sort of society's expectations. That was tool number two. The third one that I want to point out is to not call any, <laughs> repeat after me, do not call any ex-partners no matter what. Now, I know especially during the pandemic and this sort of lockdown, no lockdown, um, isolation, only six people, whatever it is, we have a whole sort of bouquet of arrangements in Germany where everyone's very confused as to what it is we should be doing and um, and should not be doing. But maybe I can be clear on this one. You should not call your ex-partners. Now, I know that that's a common wisdom we possibly all know about and share. I'm specifically telling you, though, because of course I did. I did call an ex-partner. I, in my head, felt I just need something comforting. I didn't call the ex-partner I had just separated from. This is somebody whom I had known way back in the day. And I thought, wow, why don't I warm this up? This is familiar territory, and I need something that feels familiar. It was 
an incredibly <laughs> short-sighted idea, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to have a whole episode about this very particular affair that I had that lasted on and off for a little over a year, I think, and it dropped me into such a dark place and had me repeat patterns that I had not seen in myself in a while. So in essence, I was stepping back in my personal evolution. I was stepping back into somebody that I used to be because I no longer recognized who I was. So I went for something regressive, something in the past, because I had no idea what the future would hold. Who was that woman going to be when I don't even know who she is right now? So don't call them. They're your ex-partner for a reason. You have evolved. And even though you can do all the childish or childlike, because I don't think it's childish, wallowing and crying and feeling sorry for yourself, feeling lonely, whatever it is, do not call that partner, that person. It isn't going to alleviate anything. In fact, you're going to make the period of time where you feel absolutely miserable even worse and even longer. At least that's my own experience. And as you know by now, I'm always only talking about my own experience. So repeat after me again. <laughs> Do not call the ex. So the next one is one that I often saw on Instagram and it used to infuriate me, but I'm going to put it in a different context. So bear with me for a moment. But on Instagram, they often had these little beautiful little graphics and stuff to do when you're alone or whatever. And one of them was take up a hobby. And I'm like, come on, man, <laughs> take up a hobby. Really? Like, what am I going to do? Start playing the guitar? And I would make fun of this a lot because I was like, I don't even have the energy you know, I, I just want to be alone and be good with that without having to sort of occupy my time the whole time. So taking up a hobby, yes, I want to suggest it because I did eventually take up a hobby and a couple of them and then I dropped them again and that was fine. But what I'm trying to say about taking up the hobby is, is that it's perfectly fine to also not do all the healthy, you know, and really well-meant things that people are telling you because maybe actually for sure when I w made progress in being able to be alone and be single, it's when I didn't try to fill my time. It's when I leaned into how much of a void I was feeling when I just leaned into feeling as a matter of fact that's when I felt like my my life was moving forward my consciousness was coming to a level where I could actually maybe evolve forward as opposed to regress so take up a hobby if you want but also don't take up a hobby just stay in what it is let that feeling come through because you know what and you if you're a yogi you've probably heard this a lot Feelings, too, are only energy, and energy, by its very nature, is always in motion. So you feel this way, you're going to feel a different way 10 minutes later, half an hour later. You might feel worse, you might feel better. But just allowing for this space to feel crappy or sad or whatever it is, maybe just you're bored, whatever it is, lean in. And then maybe take a hobby, if you absolutely must. <laughs> so the next one I want to talk about. And um, I really like this one. I like this one because I think it's a good piece of advice for anything as we, especially as we grow older and there's just not that much time left maybe to, you know, 
bullshit around, but this one is to leave out the shoulds. I remember I had been single now for probably one and a half years or so, and I started to say to my friends, say to my friends, should I, should I be like in a relationship by now? Shouldn't I be, you know, feeling this? Shouldn't I be soaring like this phoenix rising from the ashes? Shouldn't I be that lady in Tuscany who runs into this incredibly sexy Italian lover who's obviously 10, 15 years her junior and just feeling absolutely fabulous about being in my 40s and a liberated free woman? Shouldn't all of this be happening already? And the truth is, there's no there's no limit to how long or how short anybody feels anything. You want to jump right back into a relationship? Do it. You want to jump into two at the same time? Do that also. You don't want to do it? You feel like you should do it? That part just keep out. If you should feel that you should do anything, that's already a pretty good indicator that this is not something growing organically from a certain development inside, right? This is something that maybe... You saw on Instagram that a friend of, I remember a friend of mine, she separated from her husband at the same time and her divorce was done a year later. And I'm like, well, shouldn't that be me? Like, why is my divorce not through yet? And I wasn't so much comparing myself to this friend as I was comparing myself to an ideal state of where I should be at this moment in time. And by setting up this deadline for grief, fear, loneliness, whatever negative in my perception negative feelings I was having by setting up this deadline I put myself under so much pressure to manage this well and to be this phoenix who rises up and impresses everybody by just how well she's doing this single thing that I was exhausted sometimes I'm like what am I doing to myself I don't need to like perfect singledom or perfect loneliness or whatever it is that I'm feeling I don't have to do this and I shouldn't have to should anything so anytime you catch yourself feeling a should coming on unless it's something emergency wise or you have to take care of your children or whatever it is aging parents obviously that's a different thing but the should in terms of where you should be at this point in your life and how you should feel let it go it's really really liberating to do so and the next tool I want to talk about is maybe because this suddenly came up for me a lot is I started to remember who I was before all of my relationships. Keep in mind, I had my son in my early 20s and I had only been out of high school like four years or so. So the time spent without responsibility, without being called upon and being on call and fulfilling what I felt was expected of me as a mother, a wife, a college student at the time and a person who was working in an NGO and all these roles as a person of of this sort of multitude of uh, duties, I kind of don't remember much before that time. I don't remember that person who I was, or I didn't, I should say, because she started to return. I started to pick up, and here does here is a hobby now, I started to pick up hobbies again that I had had as a very young woman, as a teenager, and I started to think about what it was I did or how I spent my time in those phases of my life when I was feeling truly joyful. 
And I don't mean happy. I have a bit of an ambiguous relationship to the word happy, but I mean joy. I mean engaging with people and in situations that brought me true joy. And one of the things I did in my very early 20s, before I met my husband and we had our son, was I used to go and see bands on the Lower East Side in New York. I would go to Arlene Grocery or CBGB's or wherever with my roommates. I had wonderful roommates. And we would just hang out. And because you couldn't walk around with drinks, obviously, in the States, we used to like sneak little drinks from the gas station, walk over to those places and watch our favorite bands. And that's one of the things I started doing again. In this case, I went to see jazz concerts. I remembered just how much I loved live music and being engaged in an audience that's also really loving this music. So just remembering, for me, it was music. Music, as I always want to say, was one of my first loves besides theater. And pick up on those again. Who were you before all this happened? Because chances are, there's a pretty interesting person who is just dying to reconnect with you. Lastly, share with others. If you feel like you're so lonely and you just don't, you just can't get out of your head about it. And you've sort of, what I used to say, I always felt like I had my head like solidly up my ass all the time, wallowing in my own thing and not really being perceptive to all the beautiful things that do indeed still coexist with your fears, with your anxiety, with the loneliness. These things don't stop to exist just because we're feeling like shit, right? And to find those things again is sometimes not so easy when we're in this fog. And for me, I sometimes felt, my God, I'm being very ego um, uh, well, ego, <laughs> and very focused on my own feelings, how I'm doing and how life really fucked me up in a way that I didn't expect it to or whatever it was. And that's really, that was something that, that got on my nerves. I got on my nerves. It's like, come on, you have skills. There are things and people you can share these with. And so I did. I started to um, share with others. I went to workshops, maybe. I know of other friends, they started volunteering, which I think is such a great thing if you have the time uh, with your job or even within your job, finding ways to help and support others. That got me out of my head so fast that this is one of my favorite tools. And actually, um, I work part-time for a place, the Kabbalah Center here in Berlin, and that is their biggest thing. Some of their stuff, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I can go with you on that one. That's a little too advanced or, or just weird to me. But some things they say, a lot of things are really valuable. And their biggest thing is to share, to share light. And I've always admi admired that, that there's a way to get out of your own state and really switch the energy around, make it a game changer by sharing with others. I don't care if you buy them a coffee in your lunch break or you actually go to a place that requires volunteers, but whatever it is, see if there's any part of energy that you can mobilize to maybe share whatever it is that you have with others. Yeah, And um, that's it. Those are my, my tools for happily being alone. And I want to say one last thing. It takes time. It really does. I've known friends who 
are absolutely great at spending time by themselves and being single. And I never saw them struggle the way I did, or at least it didn't seem that way. But hey, I just wasn't that person. I struggled. I hadn't been single for most of my life or not for long periods of time, maybe half a year or so. Um, but to just know that it does take time. And that person, however, that you begin to discover when you let there be space for her is so interesting. And um, sometimes I did this meditation, maybe I'll pop it into one of my next podcasts. I did this meditation where I imagined myself I always get a little sentimental here. Um, I imagined myself as a small girl, uh, and this girl was sitting in a chair opposite of me. And I would do this visualization in, in my meditation, and I would think about what it is, is it I would like to hear from her, and what it is, is it that I would like to tell her. And to have this inner dialogue, which granted might sound a little schizophrenic, but to have this inner dialogue and to be curious about what she has to say and who this person is was amazing. And uh, I really, really want to invite you to maybe look at that opportunity to meet who you are and to know who you are. And as a result, and this is something that came to me very, very slowly, so try to be patient with yourself, as a result to love who is here because she's probably pretty fucking great. <laughs> last one, very last one. Now I want to leave you with a poem that my mom once stitched on a handkerchief for me, and I always thought it was really, really beautiful. And here it goes. Art thou lonely, O my brother? Share thy little with another. Stretch a hand to one unfriended, and the loneliness is ended. Leaving you with that, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was helpful for you. And I hope you find ways to really truly value your time with yourself and to not view it as something that feels like it should be different. Maybe one day for sure. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope to hear from you by the next time. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.